Well, hi, everybody. Wasn't that great? That is the Lord's Prayer. And boy, we sure need to hear that at a time like this. Well, we're excited uh, that you're joining us today, wherever you're at. Uh, If you're joining us online for the very first time, I want to welcome you wherever you're at. If you have a chance, I want to encourage you to go to the chat box where you're, and let us know where you're watching from. We'd love to know that. Last uh, week, somebody mentioned that they were watching our service all the way from Samoa. That's more than, that's about 5,000 miles away. And I also know that there are people watching from New York and Florida and Iowa and uh, Hawaii and the Philippines. There's even a group in Japan that has a watch party every week to view our messages. That would be Trey and Tomoko. How are you guys doing out there? So let us know where you're watching from. And I know what, uh, we just love to hear that. You know, my heart has been uh, heavy all week. <clears throat> actually, it's been heavy for quite some time, actually, even through uh, this pandemic. And uh, just this week, I heard about another individual in our church who uh, has been infected and is hospitalized with a virus. Uh, his name is Bill. His family uh, asked me to mention his name to you so that you could keep him uh, before the Lord in prayer. Pray for Bill. But uh, my heart has been heavy, not only for the pandemic, but because uh, of the murder of George Floyd this week. Uh, You know, it grieves me what the black community and uh, as a whole and what my African-American friends have to endure on a daily basis here in the 21st century, and that's daily fear, a daily fear that someone will attack them, that someone might even kill them because of the color of their skin. And this overwhelming sense of injustice that they will be treated differently because of who they are. Those are the kind of things that they live with every single day. And it truly grieves my heart. And frankly, it sickens me to my stomach that it happens over and over and over again. And we must, as, as believers, speak out against it. And church, our response, our response to racism and injustice and and sin of any type for that matter must always be biblical. Our response must always be biblical. It must be embedded in the truth of the word of God and it must be uh, rooted in the the love of Christ. You know, when I saw that gut-wrenching video this week um, of George Floyd's murder, I, I couldn't help but ask myself, how, when is this hate going to stop? When is it going to stop? And as quickly as I asked that question, I, I knew the answer. And the answer is it's never going to stop. And that's the hard part. It's never going to stop because, not until Jesus comes, because as the prophet Jeremiah said, man's heart is desperately w- wicked above all else. And the solution to hate And the solution to injustice is Jesus himself. It is Jesus. And that's why the ministry of the church is so critical. And that's why what you do, where God has planted you, is so essential. And uh, all the more, during these dark times, uh, we need to shine the spotlight on Jesus and lift him up high so that we can point the world to him. And I do believe that even though this will never end, that there is a role for us to play, that we can speak out against it, and we can make a difference. I really believe that. So as we begin today, let's come before the Lord in prayer 
and cry out to him, perhaps as never before, that, that God would intervene and that he would have his way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. All right, so let's, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, the, our hearts, it, it just, it's become so overused to, to say that our hearts are broken, but, but I don't know how else to say that, but that our hearts are truly broken as, as we live in these difficult days, not just because of the pandemic, but because of the blanket of evil and sin that has covered the, the earth. And so right now we cry out to you and we run to you. We, we call on your name on behalf of Bill, Father, and all those who are infected with this disease, that you would bring healing to him. I know that Bill has uh, quite a bit of, of uh, pre-existing conditions, and I, and I pray, Father, that you would restore his body and, and bring healing to him and allow him to, to be healed. And I know how much he misses the church and God, we cry out to you because we grieve for the life of George Floyd, who I understand was a brother in Christ. He could have been someone in our own church. And Father, and therefore, it, it is so gut-wrenching to us. There are, no, there are not even words to express our, our anger and our, and our torment and our, and our grief over the loss of his life because he was so special in your sight. And so we come before you today to cry out to you and to call out to you. And I ask, Father, for all those African-American brothers and sisters of ours in our church and, and throughout this country who may be watching, God, we, we pray that you would remind them how much they matter to you, how special they are to you. And I, and I pray that we would, as a church, would be able to convey that as well, that they matter to us. And I pray that as a church, God, we are just one little tiny church, but I, I pray that we can make a difference somehow in the way that we live our lives. May, may there never be a, a, a hint of racism or hate within our own hearts here at South Bay. And I pray that you would fill us with your love. I pray that you would fill us with compassion and that we would make a difference here in our community. So today, God, we come before you desperate desperately wanting to hear from you. And, and I pray that that is, is exactly what would happen, that you would speak to us. So thank you, Father. We love you. We are desperate for you. We need you now. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, if you're joining us for the first time, we have been in a series uh, uh, on the Lord's Prayer. If you missed the first two messages on this, you can go to our YouTube page, SBCC Live, and you can watch the first two messages and get all caught up. And there are all kinds of other things there as well that you can, can take a look at. You know, with regards to the Lord's Prayer, it's found in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus never said that we are to recite this prayer or to pray this prayer, although if you do, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Jesus never said to recite it. Instead, the Lord's Prayer is a template for, for how we should pray and what we should pray for. And the most important thing that I would want you to keep in mind is that prayer is not about, about what we can get from God, but prayer is about God. Prayer is not about us trying to get something from God, but 
prayer is about giving God the opportunity to glorify himself by answering our prayers in whatever way he chooses. Jesus put it this way in John 14, verse 13. And, and by the way, if you open up our South Bay Community Church app, uh, you can get it from the Play Store right now if you'd like. Just, just enter SBCC or South Bay Community Church, and you can have it in all these verses, and a little outline is there for you. But Jesus put it this way. He said in John 14, 13, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Right? So Jesus said that prayer is all about the glory of God. It is not about our gratification. It is about the glory of, of God. Prayer is about God's glory, not about our gratification. Well, today we come to verse 11 in the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 11. And it's only seven words long. So let me just take it from the top, starting in verse 9, and then we'll come to verse 11, and I'll read it to you. Jesus said, starting in verse 9, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And verse 11 says, and give us this day our daily bread. And you can stop right there. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, many years ago, Dr. Harry Ironside, who was the pastor of Moody Bible Church in Chicago from 1929 to 1948, told the story of going to a crowded cafeteria to have lunch. When he got there, the place was absolutely packed. He could find only one seat. It was next to a young man. And so when he took his tray of food uh, and got there, he asked the young man if he could sit there. And the young man grumbled or mumbled something, and Ironside sat down. As he always did, Ironside bowed his head in prayer and gave thanks for the food that he was about to eat. When he opened his eyes, he looked up and the young man was kind of, appeared to be glowering at him. And he blurted out at Ironside, is something wrong with your food? A bit startled, uh, Ironside politely said, no, no, everything is fine. And then the young man retorted, well, do you have a headache or something? Ironside replied, no, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Why do you ask? He said, well, because I see you bowing your head and closing your eyes and putting your hands to your face. And the pastor said simply, I was just returning thanks to God for the food. The young man then snorted, oh, you believe in that Bosch, do you? And Ironside asked, well, don't you ever give thanks? And the man replied, no, I don't. I don't believe in giving thanks for anything. I just start right in. And Ironside replied, oh, you're just like my dog. He never gives thanks either. He just starts right in. You know, a lot of people are just like Ironside's dog. They never give thanks for anything. They just start right in. Maybe it's because they forget where their blessings come from. The passage we're looking at today, verse 11, is a reminder of where our blessings come from. Take a look at it again. Notice what Jesus was asking. He said, Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, in many ways, this is a very difficult prayer to pray. And it's, an even, it's even harder to live out because we don't want stuff just for today. We want stuff for tomorrow and the day after tomorrow and next week. And we want it for months. And that's why we love to shop at Costco or Sam's Club. That's why we ran out of Charmin. We run uh, out of Charmin. We 
at the beginning of the pandemic, we just headed the stores because we want more. We don't want toilet paper just for today. We want it for months at a time. Now, as you see in this picture, I won't tell you what pastor is standing behind this cart, but his initials are GM. I'm kidding. Um, but let me ask you something. How many of you uh, stockpile toilet paper? Raise your hand. I knew it. All of you did. And uh, we tried to, but when we went to Target, there wasn't anything left, as you can see from this photo. Is I think that when you stockpile, uh, you feel like you're in control, and you feel like you're safe and secure. When the Israelites experienced a crisis in the wilderness, they did something very similar to what we have done. Turn to Exodus chapter 16. That's the second book in the Bible, Genesis and Exodus, Exodus 16. You might recall that after the Jews fled Egypt, after being there in captivity for 400 years, they escaped through the Red Sea, and then they found, got part of the Red Sea, and then they found themselves on the other side in the wilderness. And that's where they wandered for 40 years in the Sinai Desert, all 2.4 million of them. That's what Bible scholars believe uh, were there, about 2.4 million Jews. They wandered in the desert for 40 years before they reached the Promised Land. Now, the first thing they said when they stepped into the desert was, we're hungry. And they wanted to know what's for dinner and how they were going to eat in the first place. And of course, God provided for them. Take a look at Exodus chapter 16, starting in verse 14. And it says, And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the, on the ground. And when the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Now here's what's really interesting. Grab a pen, all right? Grab a pen. In verse 15, I want you to circle that question, What is it? Circle, what is it? Now, you know that Exodus was written in Hebrew, so let me give you the Hebrew word for that. Well, I'm not going to, yeah, the, the Hebrew word for what is it is manho, manho. And it refers to a type of bread, manho. What is it, manho? It refers to a type of bread that's described here in, at the end of verse 15. It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Uh, if you jump down to verse 31 in Exodus chapter 16, it says, and now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. All right, so verse 31, circle the word manna. Manna is the Hebrew word manho, and it can be translated, what is it? God gave them, what is it? God gave them, what is it? It was like coriander seed. It was white, tasted like wafers uh, made with honey. In Psalm 78, verse 24, it tells us that manna, manho, was the grain of heaven. And if you look at verse 25, it says here, and he rained down on them manna to eat and gave them grain, the grain from heaven. And man ate of the bread of the angels. He sent them food in abundance. Verse 25 tells us that manna was the bread of angels. And he rained down, it rained down from heaven upon them. There was enough, there was enough for all 2.4 million Israelites. And then God gave them this instruction on how to gather the, what is it? The manho, the manna. Verse 16, Exodus 16, 16. It says, this is what the Lord has commanded. 
gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. So, God said that every morning you are to get up and you are to gather the manna, the manho, the what is it, and take only what you can eat. Don't take any more, don't take any less, take only what you can eat. And then when you wake up the next morning, there will be a fresh batch of manna there for you to collect again. It's like going to the bakery 85 degrees. I love being at 85 degrees when the bakers come out of the kitchen and they yell, fresh bread, fresh bread. This was like God saying fresh bread every day. There was fresh manna for them to eat. And they only, they only needed to take what they were going to eat for the day. But you know what the Israelites did? Verse 20, Exodus 16, 20, it says, but they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it to the morning and it bred worms and stank and Moses was angry with them. In other words, they grabbed whatever they could get. They stockpiled on manna. They gathered as much as they could get. They collected it like toilet paper. They hoarded it just in case God didn't show up the next day with more manna. And I surmise it gave them a sense of control, gave them a sense of security. Oh, we got some extras. We're going to put it away. We got some extras just in case. Do you understand why God didn't want the Israelites to stockpile man in the first place? It was because he didn't want them to depend on themselves. He didn't want them to depend on themselves. He didn't want them to lean on their own understanding. He didn't want them to lean on their own devices. He wanted to show them that he was in control and that he could provide and they could feel absolutely secure in what God said he would do for them. He wanted to show them that he, that he could be trusted. You know, at the end of 40 years of wandering in the desert, Moses gave this assessment of their wandering in Deuteronomy chapter 29. It's one verse I want to show you there. Deuteronomy 29 verse 5. Moses said, I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. I led you 40 years in the wilderness, and your clothes have not worn out on you, and your sandals have not worn off your feet. Astonishing. After 40 years of wandering in the desert, the clothes that the Israelites wore was still fully intact. It had not worn out, and their sandals had not fallen off their feet. I mean, let me ask you something. How many of you are still wearing the same clothes you wore 40 years ago or the same shoes that you wore 40 years ago? None of you are, right? Some of you aren't even 40 years old because even if you bought your clothes at Nordstrom, it won't last that long. It wears out, but it lasted for the Israelites because God provided. And so the first thing that give us this day our daily bread reminds us of is that we, we mustn't depend on ourselves. We've got to trust in God. We've got to trust in God. Write this one down. Don't depend on yourself. Don't depend on yourself, which means don't depend on your bank account. Don't depend on your intellect. Don't depend on your work ethic. Don't depend on your toilet paper, but instead depend on God. You know, the other day, I had a nice chat with Conchita R Ramirez She's been attending our church for more than 12 years now, and she is such an inspiration, and she's got such an incredible story. I asked her if she'd be willing to share a little bit of it with you today, and so she said yes, and so here's what she had to say. Take a look at this. My name is Conchita Ramirez. I am widow 
I had three kids and I had nine grandchildren. And until today, I can tell you, God provide for me since when I was uh, homeless because my husband, he kicked me out with my kids. And we was start living with um, my husband, um, cousin, Maria. So Maria tell me, um, you had to work for take uh, some apartment. And I say, yes. So I start working with some apartments to start cleaning houses or sometimes I cut the hair or I cook or I make massage. I do whatever they want me. And Maria says, um, my friend has apartments for rent, but it's $600. And I say, I need 100, Maria. And she says, yes, go to work and earn the money. So one day I take my kids with me, Karen and Raul. Raulito was seven years old, Karen was nine. We was in the bus stop, and Karen says, Mommy, uh, over there is a, a coffee cup. Can I play with them? And, and I say, oh, yeah, 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 you can play. My hair was like a thinking and different. I need money. I need money. So Karen says, Raul, I found money. And, and Raul says, oh, yes, yes. Let me see. Uh, mommy, can we play with this money? And I saw, oh, yes, you can play. And I was thinking it's a monopoly bill or something like that. Uh, after after work, I went to Maria's house and she says, oh, the kids are, are very interested in something. And I say, oh, they play with money. And she says, what money? Who's giving to you money, Karen? And she says, and we found the money in the bus stop. Let me see. And she says, Conchita, this is a hundred dollars bill. And I say, yes, Maria, it's a hundred dollars bill. It's a monopoly. So, and she says, this is real. You need a hundred dollars for complete the rent, right? And I say, yes, you have it. And I say, I have 500, so I can pay my first rent. After that, was with living in Lomira and we moved to San Pedro and I rent another apartment. So I don't know what happened with the recession or something like that. And my work was less, less and less. So Mr. Leon, he was a nice guy. And I told Karen, come on with me. And we have to talk to Mr. Leon because we don't have money for, for the rent. And Mr. Leon says, what happened, Conchita? And I said, Mr. Leon, I don't have enough money to pay the rent, so I'm going to leave your apartment. And he says, you found another apartment? And I said, no, Mr. Leon. And he says, don't worry. You don't pay me $600, just pay me 300 half of the rent. And I said, and when I'm going to pay you the another half? And he says, don't worry. God provide, Conchita. God is with us. Mr. Lian's wife, Connie, she gave it to me every week, food. And Mr. Lian's mother-in-law, Nana, she says, Conchita, God provide. Just believe. He is with you. He loves you. And I say, Nana, my husband kicked me out. 
I don't have enough money for nothing. How he's real? He is not with me, Nana. I'm angry. And Nana says, don't worry. God is with you. Come on. She hung me. And I say, Nana, I am desperately. God is not with me. He don't love me. And she says, you can imagine how he love you. And I say, oh my God. So until that day, oh my God. I know I can feel what he hugged me. He take care of me. He's my father. He's my father and he take care of my kids until today. He's with me. He provides every single time. Sometimes my work is very slowly, like these times. And he tell me, don't worry, I'm your father. He tell me because I feel how he talked to me. Conchita, I love you. And I said, Father, what can I do right now? He said, don't do nothing. Just believe, have faith, I'm real. And I said, yes, God. He is with me. He take care of me. He's my savior. He never leave me alone. And also in difficult times, he is with me. He is with me. Isn't that amazing? That's Conchita Ramirez. And Conchita says, it's all him. It's all God. God is her provider. Going back to Matthew 6, 11, the word bread is the Greek word artos, and it refers to bread or a loaf of bread. Why don't you circle that word bread in verse 11? Artos also refers to to all of the sustenance that God provides for his children. In other words, it is God's divine provision. That's artos. God, bread is God's divine provision. In other words, bread isn't just bread in this verse. It's also a symbol of the necessities of life. It refers to food and shelter and water and clothing. Whatever it is you need to survive, that's the bread that's being referred to here in verse 11. And the point in verse, uh, well, verse 11 is that the focus of prayer, the focus of prayer should not be on the things that we want, but the focus of prayer should be on the things that we need, like bread, like water, like shelter, like clothing. So write that one down. Don't pray for things that you want, but pray for things that you need. You know, over the years, Conchita has asked me to pray for quite a few things. Um, she'll catch me in the lobby. And she'll say, Pastor, Pastor, I need for you to pray for me. And uh, never once in all these years has she ever asked me to pray for something she wants. She's always asked me to pray for something she needs or something that her children need. Recently, she needed a car because she gave her car to her granddaughter so she can go to school. So she said to her grandson, Roger, who attends our church, he's a good buddy of mine, he said to Rod, she said to Roger, hey, Roger, let's pray to God and ask him for a car because I need a car. And she said, since I don't have any money, let's ask God to give us the car for free. Well, Roger was incredulous, like, you want a free car? And she said, yes, Roger, we need it for free. So they began praying. They began praying a few weeks later. A few weeks later, her oldest son, who had no idea that his mom needed a car, 
called her up one day and says, hey, mama, I just bought a new car, and I want to give you my old one. Gave it to her for free. Roger was absolutely flabbergasted, but for Conchita, it was just another day of her at the you know, of her faith-filled life as God provided for what she needed. When she was here the other day, I asked her how her cleaning business is going, especially during this pandemic. And she told me that she's hardly working. She said business has dropped off and people don't want her services right now. And then I remembered about two weeks ago, I got a call from a, a young retired couple in our church and uh, they called me and said, hey, we, we just got our stimulus check, and we want to give half of it to the church. But here's the thing. We want you to give it to somebody who could use it. And while I was talking to Conchita, I remembered uh, this check that this couple brought over. They dropped it off at the church. And so since Conchita was there, I remember that, and I remembered their instructions, give it to somebody who could use it. So I gave it to her. I gave it to Conchita, the entire amount. You know, the, the couple's generosity, this couple's generosity is a beautiful reminder that many times God provides through his people. Provides through his people. And, and this has happened many, many times in our church. I know that here at the very beginning, there are quite a number of you who gave us very large sums of money to give to people who might be in need. Speaking of which, you know, we're so thankful for all of you who brought food uh, this Saturday, dropped off groceries that we might give it to people who are in need. And God is doing that constantly. God uses people to provide for other people. I know that many more of you wanted to help and uh, were not able to for, some, for whatever reason, and, and that's okay. That's okay. There will be other opportunities. But God uses people oftentimes to provide for other people. You know, World War II had a devastating impact on children all across, all across Europe. Thousands of children, like, like these right here, were orphaned because of the war, left homeless and hungry. And so immediately after the war, Allied forces uh, gathered up thousands of these kids all over, Germany, France, everywhere, put them in large camps where they could be fed and cared for. When night came, many of the children would begin to become anxious, couldn't sleep because of the effects of post-traumatic war syndrome. Finally, a camp psychologist uh, struck up, came up with a great idea, struck up an idea. After the children were put to bed, he uh, recommended that each child be given a slice of bread, just like this, given a slice of bread, not to eat, but to hold. And if the child was hungry and wanted to eat the bread, they, then they were given more bread. But this bread was not to, to eat. This bread was given to them to hold. And so, what happened was children would go to sleep holding the bread, and, and something amazing happened. Children started to sleep. They were able to sleep with the bread in their hand because it, it was the assurance that they needed that they would have something to eat tomorrow, that their needs would be taken care of. It, it reminded them that they didn't have anything to be afraid of. It reminded them that they wouldn't be neglected or overlooked or, or they would go hungry, but that they would be provided for. You know, the Lord's Prayer, uh, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said uh, to pray, give us this day our daily bread. You know, the words this day refers to today, and the word daily refers to tomorrow. 
So Jesus said to pray for only those things that you need for today and for tomorrow. That's it. Pray for only those things that you need today and for tomorrow. And then the day after that will take care of itself. And the day after that and the day after that and the day after that, he'll take care of all that as well. But all you need to do is pray for what you need today and for tomorrow. The point is, you don't have to worry about the future because God is a provider. You can write that one down. Don't worry about the future because God will provide. God providing for us is very much a part of who he is. In fact, it's a part of his name. You might remember when God tested Abraham. The Lord told him, told Abraham to take his one and only son Isaac to Mount Moriah to offer him as a sacrifice, which meant that he had to kill his one and only son. Genesis chapter 22, very first book in the Bible, Genesis 22, 1 and 2 says, and after, and after these things, God tested Abraham and said to Abraham, and, and, and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And so, without so much as even batting an eye, Abraham went to Moriah with Isaac. And when they arrived at their destination, Abraham prepared the altar on which he was going to sacrifice his son. And then verse 6 says this, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. Isaac had no idea that he was the lamb for the burnt offering. And when he asked his father, where was the lamb for the burnt offering, Abraham replied in verse 8, God will provide. And that's exactly what happened. Moments before Abraham was going to strike his son dead, the angel of the Lord intervened and told him to stop. He said, don't do it, Abraham, don't do it. And then verse 13 says this, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by, its, by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. In verse 14, would you underline the Lord will provide? Underline the Lord will provide. In Hebrew, that phrase, the Lord will provide, is Jehovah Jireh. It is God's name. It is one of God's names, Jehovah Jireh. And it means the Lord will provide. The fact that God provides is not only, not only has to do with what he does, but it is who he is. God is a provider. It is his name, Jehovah Jireh. And that's why we don't have to worry about the future. No, no wonder Jesus said in Matthew 6, let me take a look at this at the end of Matthew 6. In verse 26, he said, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And verse 28, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. 
They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And verse 31, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. You see, Jesus said, God will provide. The only question is, do you believe that? You believe God loves you? You believe God is big? Do you believe that God provides? God is our provider. Let me close with this. You know, one of the most blessed things that that I saw during this, that I've seen during this pandemic, took place at Target early on in the lockdown. We actually were running out of toilet paper, and so one morning I decided to wake up early, and I headed to Target, and I got there, and I thought, this is great. I'm going to be the first one in line. I got there right be- way before it opened, about a half an hour before it opened, and I couldn't believe it. The line was all the way around the building already. And then I thought to myself, well, hey, I'm old. Don't I get to go in first? And they said, no, there's no priority like that here. And so I had to wait with everybody else. And, uh, and then they opened the door. And uh, everyone was rushing in. It kind of reminded me of the old days when I used to go to Target before it opened to, to look for, for Star Wars action figures, and all the collectors would be there, and I would walk like this. I would run, and the, and the manager would yell at us and say, no running, you got to walk. And I said, I am, I am walking, I am walking. And, but I'd go as fast as I could, and we were, everyone was kind of rushing in as quickly as they could, looking for toilet paper. Well, when I finally got to the door, I noticed that there was a pallet of toilet paper, But by the time I got there, there was only one packet of toilet paper left. And so I thought, this is my chance. And I was heading there. I was going to die for it. But a lady got to it right before I did. And so she grabbed the toilet paper. I didn't want to die because I thought maybe she goes to our church and that wouldn't look so cool. But I got there and the lady grabbed it before I did. And just when she grabbed that toilet paper, the last one on the pallet, a little old lady came up right next to her, and she looked so discouraged and so forlorn because she needed toilet paper too. So this lady that grabbed that toilet paper, she turned around, and she gave it to that lady. I wanted to say, why don't you give it to me instead? No, but she gave it to that lady, and she was so happy. Now, I don't know who that lady was. I don't know if she was a Christ follower or not, but it sure seemed like she was. It really seemed like she, she was. It was as if she understood that God provides. Now, that wouldn't be the last one she'd come across. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if God blessed her with toilet paper because the one that she had, she gave away. It was as, as if she didn't worry about the future. It was as if she felt safe and secure in the Lord's hands. And she didn't rely on herself. She didn't worry about the future because it was as if she knew that God provides. And um, when I saw that, it reminded me of how God provides for us. You know, I don't know what you're going through today. 
Maybe you're afraid of the future. Maybe you're afraid of the future because you lost your job. Maybe you lost everything in your retirement account. Maybe you're worried about tomorrow. Take a slice of bread. Hold it in your hand. And let it be a reminder to you that God will take care of you. Or better yet, take Conchita's story to heart. You see, because her God is, is our God. And what he did for her, he can do for you. Even better yet, take the Bible to heart. Take what it says to heart, that God is Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider, and he will take care of you. Let's close our time in prayer. Father, how good it is to know, how good it is to know that your God, who not only loves us and cares for us, but you're a God who provides for us. And Father, we go around this life all freaked out about whether we have enough of this or that. We try to take things into our own hands. We rush out and we worry. And we worry about the future. We worry about how we're going to pay for this or that. And Father, the, the truth is, all we need to do is trust you. Yeah, Lord, and of course, there are things that we need to do on our end. We need to do our very best to work, and if we can get work, and we need to do our very best to, to live with our means. And of course, we just need to trust you. And I pray, Father, that this simple little seven-word prayer will remind every one of us that you are a God who provides, that we should ask not for the things that we want, that prayer isn't about what we can get from you, but we should ask for the things that we need. And prayer is about your glory. And wow, when we pray that way, you indeed will be glorified. And you indeed will answer us. Just as you have answered Conchita so many times before, just as you have answered me so many times before, provide for us. Provide for everyone out there, God listening, wherever they may be. And Father, for all those who still don't know that you're a provider, God, I pray that you would speak to their hearts and let them know how much you love them, how much you care about them, how much you want to provide for them. Lord, help them to turn their hearts and their lives over to you right now. In fact, if you'd like to do that right now, why don't you just say to God, God, I need you. I need you in my life. Please provide for me. I give you my life. Say that to him. And he will. He really will. Father, again, thank you so much for who you are. What a great God you are. Jehovah Jireh. Father, we entrust our lives to you. Take care of us, God. We love you when we pray these things in Jesus' name.